Phil Nicoletti, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. And fuck you. Hi, this is Pookie Mathis, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show, bro. All right, we are back with another episode of the Vital MX Moto X Pod Show this week, as always, presented by Race Tech and Boyson. We're excited to spotlight Boyson's Factory Racing's Rider Support Program, a comprehensive support system for motocross and off-road riders. The program offers participants exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. Join the community of Boyson Factory Flyers and visit boyson.com to apply now. We're going to get into the Boyson Intake Open discussion, but first, I want to introduce my my co-host. Scotty is back in studio. What's going on, Scotty? Oh, not much. Just, you know, learning learning the new ropes, getting the new show looking looking like it's supposed to. Yeah, hopefully it's working well. This is uh, the first time we have been live on video from my studio back here in East Texas, not West Texas, as you may have heard on another show, uh, but also on the line with me through FaceTime, Got a little intro for him. Let's get this thing going. Ultimately, I've decided on the sexton ship, and I am the Capitan. Lewis Phillips, how do you like that intro? Hello, friend. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a bit annoyed that this is a public show, because I'd rather just be having a private discussion with my friends, but never mind. Well, I enjoy... Uh, private and public conversations with my friend as well. Uh, this is your first time, I believe, meeting Scotty. Uh, yeah. I I actually i I saw you um, in Arizona last year, but I don't think we were like we mentioned. Never really introduced ourselves because well, we no, I don't think that Jamie's very good at introducing <laughs> people, so he probably didn't connect us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll blame that on me. And this week, Lewis, before we get into show topics in Houston. You met our other co-host, who's not here, TJ. Uh, how'd that go? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got um, mad beef with TJ. <laughs> mad beef? What happened? Yeah. Well, I might be part of the problem, but uh... <laughs> well, I had, I had what I felt was a top-tier social interaction. Um, great times were had by all. I really delivered my A game of social interaction. And then I see you like an hour later and I say to you, hey, Jamie, I met your friend. And you said, yes. Yeah. He said that it seemed like you didn't want to talk to him, <laughs> which really just threw me for a loop, to be honest, because as I say, top tier social interaction, really, I, I felt as though I delivered the type of Lewis that would have met Chase Sexton. That was the level I was operating at. But some, apparently some people are never happy. So... Well, I did talk to him about that later. He's like, I didn't say that. That was Doc, his son, which I don't believe that's what TJ said originally, but maybe I misunderstood. Um, yeah, maybe I was wrong. Doc. What's that? His son is called Doc. Doc, D-O-C, yeah. Doc Smith. Is he from Back to the Future? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. But that's a, Well, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, 
Yeah, so if you guys are watching on YouTube, I just got a message from our fearless leader, Michael Lindsay, that the show's buffering a little bit. Um, yeah, I just saw comments. There's like, so, I was about to text you. Yeah, we're running off Wi-Fi because, um, well, because I don't have it hardwired yet. I had some electrical problems today. So, Scotty, Michael says drop the bit rate. Do you know how to do that from here? Try to see if you can figure that out. We'll try to get it fixed. Uh, let's get into some topics, Lewis, while Scotty tries to fix that. I want to start by talking about... Chase and Eli, your guy, Chase Sexton and Eli Tomac. Yep. Chase was fastest qualifier, one heat two in a dominating fashion, almost by eight seconds. And then in the main event was behind Eli, caught Eli, then got just a little bit dropped by Eli. Not Maybe not even dropped might not be the right word, but what do you think? that does to your guy chase mentally does he go wow man i was faster all day and then in the main event i kind of i didn't have him well funny you say this because i was actually thinking this earlier so this proves once again that we're just connected as friends um i think that if you're chase you can focus on the positive and also i think if you're eli you can focus on the positive obviously it's a test it's a test of mental strength because in eli's case he could focus on the fact that he won or he could be sat in wherever he is in the world right now and thinking to himself, oh, but I didn't have that speed in the heat. And what if that speed comes back in uh, comes back in Tampa? Like, he could be concerned about that. Equally, Chase could be sat in Florida saying, well, I had the speed and it didn't turn into a win, so why? Like, so both of them have a reason to worry, but also both of them have a reason to be confident. It depends on their mental strength each. Um... But, yeah, going back to what you said, actually, um, Sexton was fastest in time qualifying by over a second. And for the Supercross statistics piece on VitalMX.com, I went back and tried to find the last time that someone was fastest by that much. Um, The last time was Tomac at the San Diego Mudder in 2019. So that's a mudder. So then I tried to find the last time that someone was that much faster in the dry. Couldn't do it. Yeah, that's that's a big difference. I would think that'd be very difficult to find. And I like what you said, though, that they both could find either, depending on our mental strengths, could find negatives or positives out of it. I was most impressed. We know Eli's mentally strong. The fact that he got dropped by eight seconds in the heat race and then just seemed to figure it out. And from what I heard, he didn't really make any significant changes. That's just a mental thing. And I think Chase is learning to get mentally stronger. I think in the years past, we've seen some flaws in his mental game but i i think he'll find the positives in last saturday night to go forward yeah i think um i think the i think the uh, the gains that sexton has made in his mental strength are clear um even like the way his facial expressions on the podium i think even you can tell a lot from that because there isn't much emotion there right it's very much like business which is similar to eli eli is business all of the time um and even like talking to chase on press day now it's business like they're, they're very much uh, a race face, a race setting inside of him now, which is also what you need when you're going up against someone like Eli. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, the dynamic in Houston was like fascinating. Let's be honest, the racing wasn't great. There wasn't many passes. Um, but the ever-changing dynamic between Chase and Eli is like, yeah, fascinating, I think. I agree. And I, what I saw, at least what I thought happened to Chase a little bit is – there were sections he was struggling with in the main that he wasn't struggling with in the heat race. Uh, he mentioned, I think, in your post-race uh, interview 
that he just kind of stayed with that inside line. Or no, I guess he talked to ML actually, but he, 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 he yes, I didn't get to interview Chase. Jamie, thank you for bringing that up. Sorry, ML stole him from you. He ML yeah. waited until you were talking to Max Anstey, who we're yeah. going to have on in a little bit. I yeah, now mentioned. I've got to talk to Max for a second time as well. Yeah, so I've got I've got to speak to Max twice and chase zero. I should have mentioned that, by the way. Max Ansey tonight and Hayden Deegan on tonight. Sorry. Uh, But, yeah, while you were talking to Max, ML snuck in there to your guy and took chase. But he did mention that he was struggling with that sand section. He stayed on the inside line. I think he said he switched it up one time and almost crashed. He decided he was going back to the inside. But what I was seeing is the the rhythm section, the right-hander after the bridge, it seemed to me like Chase was struggling with that corner over the single, and Eli was not. Uh, and then watching back the race today a little bit, uh, the, his his rear end got was kicking quite a bit in the whoops. I don't know if that was just a setup thing or what, but there was just a couple sections where Chase was struggling. Uh, yeah, I think that going over the table in the section before the finish was so much quicker. And even um, speaking of Anthony, he was doing that on a 250. And again, I think you could visually see that it was quicker. Um, yeah, the sand, uh, people have spoken about that forever at this point. The sand really definitely bit uh, Chase in the main. I think Eli went faster than Chase's fastest time in the sand, nine laps. So that, that is a significant difference. Um, but on the flip side, the second sector, which was from the takeoff of the Supercross triple to the start of the whoops, so a long bit of the track, Chase was so much better there all day. Like even in the main, he was, I think, three tenths faster than anyone in the main in that sector. And I don't know, at the end of the day, they would just jump. He was doing the same um, combinations as the other riders. So I don't actually know how he made that time, but I guess it's pushing through the obstacles more than just, you know, riding them. But I'm no, I'm no Alden Baker. <laughs> Me either. It's going to be interesting to see going forward, though, that, yeah, obviously Eli is strong. He's going to be very tough to beat, and Chase has to figure that out because clearly being faster earlier today just doesn't matter. Eli, Eli is a gamer, and he's going to figure it out. Yep. I think um, – It'll be interesting, actually. If Chase goes fastest in Tampa in the day, it'll be interesting to see if there is as much hype or if people are more like, yeah, well, this happened last time and you saw what happened. Like, I'm interested to see if even our mindsets change a little bit now. Because in Houston, during time practice, I think we all had our, um, our jaws on the floor. Yeah, and you were very excited. Uh, are you worried at all seeing that Eli figured it out and still – beat Chase fairly fairly easily in Houston? Well, first of all, Jamie, I'm unbiased. So, <laughs> okay. um, but in, for, the sake of, um, for the sake of the title fight, uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is the first time that a rider has won the first three, uh, has won three of the first four rounds since 2016. So clearly we're off to a dominant start for Eli. But it still doesn't feel like that. Like, so... I think Tampa will be the tipping point. If Tampa is another Eli win, then I think, yeah, at this at that point, what is it going to take to stop Eli? I think if Chase can get the better of Eli in Tampa, then we still have a race on our hands, and this is very good. Um, meant to rain in Tampa as well, by the way, on race day. Saw that. I, yeah, it seems like we're just going to get rain all year at this point. It's just all across countries. Um, worth mentioning as well, the sand was such a big part of... Uh, Houston, um, we've got a sand rhythm section in Tampa, which that that could be something. Well, let's. I was going to bring that up in a, in a little bit, but let's let's get into the track in Houston, and we'll talk about the sand within that. I I like the layout. Uh, hey, Scotty, we have any luck just for you two people? Um, you figured it out. I may have to like 
He's. I'm working on it. Okay. All right. It's. It's. Yeah. Right now, it's just the loading. Normally, it's just the, just the for screen. new listeners, normally you'd have some input into this conversation, but we're trying to. Yeah, get I'm, technical I'm over issues, here. So, uh, just, talking with Michael. Yeah, let, give me a thumbs up once if we figure it out. But uh, okay. the track. That's Lewis. fine, Jamie. I'm very much enjoying our private conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening. Uh, the track itself, I enjoyed the layout. I thought it was it was a little different than most Houston's we've seen. Long, long rhythms, ninety or one eighties back the other way. Uh, across the start finish line again a couple times. I thought it was a pretty cool layout, and I really, really like the sand section. I know usually the sand sections are not rider favorites, and a lot of fans don't like the sand sections. I like this one. Yeah, this was a good sand section, um, mainly because there were two lines. Obviously, some guys were going inside, some guys were going outside. So normally the sand turns into a one-line deal. Um, so this was a good sand section. If you can get multiple lines in the sand, it works. Uh, the sand section at Anaheim 2, everyone was just jumping through the inside, so it didn't work. Um, yeah, the track was good. Uh, I don't know why it didn't really make for great racing. That, that would be my only question. Like, we had bowl burns, uh, we had a lot of 180s, we had different lines that the guys could do. Obviously, some guys were quadding in that one section. Uh, like we said, some guys were going over the table before the finish line. Um, so, really, on paper, the track had everything to be a success. I don't know why we didn't have many passes. We didn't have much. We had close racing, but we definitely didn't have much action. Yeah, I don't know what it was either. Maybe maybe the long rhythm sections don't make for great racing. Once everybody figures the rhythms out, there's not. it's really tough to make up speed. Maybe the corners are where you need more corners to for corner speed and blocking. Or may, uh, Cooper Webb said to me that this was the most traction that he's ever experienced on a Supercross track. Maybe that's something. Maybe... If you give the guys optimum traction, um, they all just kind of ride perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, okay, small crowd at Houston. I, I don't know what the TV showed, but us up in the press box, which was almost in the outer atmosphere, we kind of had to get with NASA to make sure that we weren't in the way of any spaceships. <clears throat> Excuse me. But from the <coughs> choking, Lewis. Uh, oh, no. The, the crowd was very small. Yeah, but um, my question. Sorry, for you, I'm though, joking. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm really concerned about my friend. I'm okay. Um, was the crowd small? Like that, in my eyes, that stadium was massive. Like it seemed like there were a lot of seats. So was the crowd actually small, or just did the size of the stadium just make it look that way? No, that place usually has a. There's not usually that many seats open, and there was a lot of rows, a lot of sections. I thought it was very empty. Okay, that's weird, then. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that would be. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Scotty, I was talking to Scotty a little while ago because he's going to Arlington and he decided to buy a ticket and he's in the upper deck of Arlington Stadium and, and the ticket prices were over $100 once you paid all the fees. That's a lot of money to sit in the upper deck. Yeah, they're not normally that much. Are you I, sure that he didn't get scammed? <laughs> no, I'm well, not. after after the fees and everything, it's just like after the, the online purchase fee the taxes, and the taxes, the, it, was a, it was like a $74 ticket that ended up being like 100 bucks. That's a uh, lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm questioning Scotty's purchasing ability, to be honest. Rather I, than well, I, it, was, it, was purchase, it was a purchase from like a, a group purchase them. But I mean, that was... Oh, so your friends but, might be ripping but you I, off. I went and looked and that's like, I went and looked and that was what's available uh, third level, not fourth level, third level. I have... Uh, not, not nosebleeds. Yeah, I said third, but still. You I, said, well, I, you said just upper, upper level. Said, okay, either way. I have heard over the last few years that prices have gone up. You know, back in the day, Lewis, like you could get the treadhead seats 
which was, I think, before Phil owned it. And it was like $20 to sit up in the upper What's left. What's a treadhead? They called it treadhead. It was just the $20 cheap seats up in the top. Oh, okay. That doesn't exist anymore. So maybe that's why we're seeing less numbers at some of these stadiums is the prices well, are just too much to afford for a family. Um, Anaheim was sold out. so That's what they said. What, I don't, did the ticket prices change week to week? Surely not. I wouldn't think so. No, I wouldn't think so. Because okay. the last time that I looked at Supercross tickets, um, yeah, like you say, I, the cheapest ticket I think was thirty-four bucks. Okay, well, maybe maybe Scotty just got ripped off by his buddies. Yeah, maybe he bought. A ticket I know. I like, went. I went and looked at the. I went and looked at the website, and it was you know it was eighty-four dollars. Making fun of you. Well, I'm Calm just down. Uh, yeah. I just Calm down. Well, the show's not working, and and, and I'm I know, yeah. And I'm over here, and it's, then... we'll get it figured out. <laughs> it may be next week before we get the buffering figured out. Just keep working on. It. We'll 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 make it happen. If you're watching on YouTube. I apologize. Well, it's, we we killed the stream. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Well, then we're just that. That makes things a little easier. Um, uh, Race Tech is the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company with over thirty-five years of providing factory-level suspension to everyday riders. Did you know you can get the same great products, settings, and services that Race Tech offers locally to you with a tuner you can drive to and likely see at your local racetracks? Racetech has a network of service centers around the globe who have access to the same parts and settings as Racetech's headquarters in Corona, California. Log on to Racetech.com to find the Racetech Center closest to you. This week's featured Racetech service center is DRS Suspension in Fresno, California. Tuner to many of the fastest mini bike racers in the country and even swept the 65cc podium at Loretta's in 2022. That says or at 65cc podium. That's pretty impressive. So check out DRS Suspension in Fresno, California, if you're in the area. Get your suspension worked on. Get your oils changed. Get them to give you some settings for your skill and ability. Race Tech, we appreciate them supporting the Moto X-Pod show. Uh, Lewis, let's get into 250 rookies then. Hayden Deegan, Chance Hymas, Talon Hawkins, your guy Tom Vial. But my God, who said this is my guy? I'm just giving you a hard time. Calm down. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's getting really up, wound <laughs> you, up today. You got me a little wound up over here. Uh, but no, like, who are you most impressed by? Obviously, Hayden had the best finish, but was that, did he impress you the most? What, what were you surprised by? Um. Okay, look, they were all impressive. Uh, Tom Vial's mental strength while leading early in the main event, very impressive because um, I wouldn't have blamed him if it folded like a cheap launcher. Uh, <laughs> Hayden Deegan's finish, fitness, and tenacity, very impressive. Um, there was, yeah, all, everything about Hayden Deegan was very impressive. Uh, Chance Imus, his qualifying speed I felt was impressive. Uh, just how solid he was was impressive. Um, if you actually look as well, in the main event, he had a really good start, but he didn't, he should have pinched the two guys to his inside off. Um, he didn't do that, and that's why he didn't get a great start. So maybe a little bit of a rookie mistake there. I don't know. But if he had pinched off the guys on the inside, he probably would have come out with maybe even the whole shot. Um, and Talon Hawkins, maybe I would say this was my most impressive because I think he had the least expectations. And he kind okay, he didn't del- he, he delivered, he delivered, he didn't over deliver, but I think everyone had him down to finish 17th, 18th, 19th. So, um, Obviously, Hayden Deegan was the most impressive, probably followed by Tom Vial, then followed, probably followed then by Chance Hymas and then Talon Hawkins. But I think that um, a lot has been said about the other ones. So Hawkins deserves a bit of a tip of the hat. Yeah, so we're going to talk to Hayden here in about 10 minutes. 
now that he he got a fourth, a, a few things were – some guys crashed, kind of moved up a couple spots. I don't want to say some spots were handed to him, but maybe things, things made it a little easier on him to get that fourth. Do you think his expectations or the team's expectations should go up going into Tampa, or should they just kind of be mild about it? Like, look, just go out and ride and be safe, consistent. Well, who says that their expectations weren't already this high? That's a good point. I, I, I want to ask him about that, or maybe you will ask him about that when we get him on here, but I, I'm curious to see what the expectations were. Yeah, there's no way he'll tell you. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, I think that would be the most difficult thing. I think keeping his expectations under control now will be the most difficult. Because if I put myself in his shoes, there's no way that you don't leave Houston going, okay, definitely podium next week, and maybe I can win one time. I agree. Like, I think... Like, oh, are like, you joking you know, now? Yeah, it's um, sympathy pain. Um, <laughs> no, I think that it's kind of a human nature. It's very hard to stop that. But you also have to because um, Michael Moseman should beat him more often than not. But also he's flopped massively in Houston, so maybe not. Uh, Nate Frasher should beat him more often than not, but he flopped massively in Houston, so maybe not. Um, I think that realistically, if he can finish 5th, 6th, 7th the rest of the way, then that is... That is his spot. Anything less than seventh is a disappointment. Anything higher than fifth is a bonus. How about the other guys? Should a chance Hymas feel like I, if Hayden can get a fourth, I should be getting a fourth or fifth, or should they just stick to their own games? Let's, let's be honest. This 250 East class is like the old Wild West or <laughs> the old Wild East. Um, anyone can finish anywhere. Apart from Hunter being clearly the best guy, the rest of them, it's a crapshoot. The rest of them can finish anywhere. Like uh, Nate Thrasher was 15th at Houston. He could be second at Tampa or first. Um, The same for anyone. It is literally stick them in a bucket, shake the bucket about, and then pick them out. Like, But I think that everyone in the East has a reason to have high expectations because it is an open door for every single rider. Right. Uh, Scotty, are you able to comment Um, or are you busy? No, y'all go ahead. Okay. Uh, All right. Let's. Yeah, I was... Impressed by Hunter. You know what? I'm going to step back. You mentioned Michael Moseman. That might be my biggest disappointment. I've been a a fan of Michael's for a long time. I like the kid. He shows promise every year. He gets a little better. Uh, He gets a little more aggressive every year. Makes a few mistakes. It costs him a lot of positions and maybe even some wins. Very disappointed in this this last weekend's ride. Bad starts. Moved up some, but not as much as I would have expected. Yeah, I um, coming into the East, I kind of had two expectations. One, Hunter would win the championship and be the most consistent. Two, uh, Moseman would be the fastest rider, win the most main events, but make mistakes. Um, he didn't really make mistakes in Houston, but he definitely didn't have speed, which is actually more worrying. I think that if he'd finished sixth by uh, leading a couple of laps, throwing it away, and then finishing sixth, it would kind of be like, ah, well, you know, once he figures it out, really... What is there for him to figure out after Houston? Go faster? That's easier than said than done. Like, we know he's got it. Okay, we know he's a fast rider. We know he's capable of more. Where was it? Because it wasn't even there in time to qualify. You can blame the bad start in the main event, but I did not see it at any point. Apart, he looks good on press day, but obviously there's no times on press day, so who knows? But apart, yeah, Saturday, I did not see anything from him that made me go, that's the guy who I think is the fastest rider. I agree. 
rooted in racing for motocross to off-road, supporting teams like Pro Circuit Kawasaki and Pro Yamaha and SLR Honda. Prox has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. From complex jobs like an engine rebuild to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets, Prox aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. Find Prox at your local dealer or online or online retailer. Visit prox-usa.com to search for parts for your bike and follow Prox Racing Parts on social media to stay up to date with their latest products for 2023. Before we get Hayden on here in just a couple minutes, one other thing I want to give a, I don't know, just a shout out or bring up Andrew Short being injured. Uh, Lewis, we saw him in the press box Saturday night. The family was there. They were happy. It was great seeing Shorty. And come to find out, he went riding Sunday, I think, at Texas Tornado and had a little, had a crash that put him in ICU, man. That was just crazy how something can happen so fast. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely a shock when the news kind of came out on Sunday because, like you said, everyone was hanging out with him just a handful of hours earlier. So definitely a shock. Scary, too, because, like you say, it wasn't a big crash by all accounts. It sounds like he just tucked the front. So definitely scary that something so serious can come from a crash that um, we have all had. By the, like, by the way it was described, it sounds like just a routine crash that we've all experienced at one point or another. So definitely scary, definitely um, a sad deal. But the good news is it sounds like he'll make a full recovery. So I guess um, that is the silver lining here. Yeah, he was up walking around today from what I understand. Uh, ten screws in the back, shattered T7, 8, and 9 and, uh, and broken rib and bruised lungs. But, yeah, up and walking around, he seemed to be smiling. Jackie's been kind of running his Instagram and keeping updates, and I sent a message to H- uh, Hudson. So everybody seems in good spirits. But, yeah, it's just, man, it's freaky. You just never know. Yeah, you do never know. You never know. It, yeah, like I say, it was a big shock. It really was a big shock. Like, I when I first saw the news, I thought, like, is this a different Andrew Shaw? Because how can this, how can this yeah. be the same man that we all saw last night? But, no. Unfortunately not. And then speaking of crashes, Dylan Ferrandis with a big one. Uh, we got we ended up having a staggered restart post, which benefited Christian Craig probably more than anybody who had crashed on the first lap of that main and was I think he was like in next to last or maybe still in last when that happened. And yeah. that really benefited him a lot. But very, very scary moment for Dylan Ferrandis, uh for us in the crowd. Like he just he didn't move forever, Lewis. Yeah, and he says that he um he says that he's going to miss Tampa and hopes to be back in Oakland. Oh, like what? There is like I'm sorry, but I witnessed him laying in that track. I refuse to believe that there is any way that he could be back in Oakland. Like I thought that he would be out for a month or two because he was knocked out for a while. Like this wasn't a oh he's not moving oh he's up. Like it was a okay he's still not moving he's still not moving like. We, I think I speak for everyone when I say that everyone was very, very concerned. Absolutely. It, it was, like I said, very scary. And uh, it was just amazing when he started. We saw him move. We all, I think we all got a, a sigh of relief when we saw movement, and he got up and then you know, seemed to be fairly coherent. Uh, but before we'll get back into this, I want to – our next guest is going to be brought to you by Guts Racing. Andy Gregg and the Guts Racing crew have been providing the best seats and foam in the industry for years. For 2023, they have added Kawasaki to their complete seat lineup as well as the color teal to the gripper material options available. Also new for 2020 are options for e-bikes. They have complete seats for Telaria and Super 73 and covers for your Segway and Suron, and they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husqvarna electric bikes. Tonight, Guts Racing brings us from Star Racing, 
Hayden, D- Danger Boy Deegan. What's up, Hayden? Hey, what's up? Not much. How you feeling, man? It's been a couple days since uh, your first pro race. You still feeling as excited as you were Saturday night? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's worn off a little bit now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was definitely super excited after that race. So I asked you a little bit mon- uh, Saturday night, just post Supercross Futures at A2, how, you know, what you learned, what you were expecting, but like now looking back, really, what were you expecting? What were your goals going into Houston? I really didn't even have like a position goal. It was, I mean, top 10 was where I wanted to be. I didn't think, I mean, realistically, I, I thought I'd be around, you know, 10th to 12th. That's where I kind of thought I'd be honestly. And then, I mean, qualifying went pretty well. I was like, P seven or six right there. And I knew I could, you know, and then I knew I had the speed. I was within the same second as the fast guys. So in the race, um, I didn't even have a great start either, which I mean, I came out like 10th, I was 10th or 11th on the first lap. And I just slowly made my way through the pack and ended up in, I think about six, I was in six, I think. And then, uh, Vial made a mistake. I got around Vial and then last lap, uh, Martin made a mistake as well, which they're all racing incidents. That's not luck at all. It's racing incidents. And, uh, yes, I ended up finishing fourth. Yeah. The week, uh, the, the, uh, futures race at a two, when you went into that race, did you have, was it just about getting points or were you really want, was it important to go out and try to win that thing? Did it really make a difference to you? Yeah, futures. I mean, I, I was racing a bunch of kids I've raced before, so I kind of, you know, I wanted to win that. Like that's like that was my goal to go out there and win. So I think I kind of put too much pressure on myself where I wasn't able to execute my start. I wasn't able to ride smooth. I was just, you know, kind of brain fog and not riding right. Where I learned from that now and know that you know you just have to like relax and not worry about worry about try, like don't put your focus on winning. Put your focus on riding how you usually do, and then that's where you end up. Perfect. Um. Fun, fun little question for you. Uh, what's one thing from Houston that you were most impressed with yourself about, whether it was riding, the way you handled something, and on the opposite side, what's one thing What's one thing from Houston that you feel like you failed on, something you weren't happy with? Yeah, I'd say in Houston, I was like, I was, I didn't think I was going to, like, the 20, 20 uh, minute, I think it was, it's about 20 laps, the race is close to that. And my fitness, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to do a 20 laps strong. And I ended up being able to do that. Like, I looked at my lap times, and they were the same every single lap, pretty pretty much the same. And it sounds like I had super consistent times, and I didn't get tired during the race. I didn't get winded. I rode smooth. And that's kind of where I felt good. But I'd say, I mean, the only negative part of the race was my start. I didn't get a great start. I came out around 11th, and that's what we worked on this weekend. So hopefully in uh, Tampa we can execute a better start. Um, I just lost my train of thought, Hayden. Sorry about that. Um, when was the decision made for you to race Houston, and who whose input was involved with that? I mean, I assume you and your dad and the team. But what what made the decision, and when was it made? Yeah, Houston was it was up in the air for a little bit. Like I'd ride some like some weeks, and I'd be fast. Like I'd be faster than some of the guys on the team. Like most of the guys, and some days I'd be a little off. Some days I'd be on. Like it was kind of like a little bit of inconsistency for a little bit. And then, you know, but our goal was to go race Houston and they see, I had the speed and stuff and then futures came around and I didn't do as great as like the team wanted or how I wanted in the race. So then it kind of hit it up in the air again, but I was like, I I called Bobby. I'm like, Bobby, I'm ready to race. Like, I know I can do it. 
and I think it's smart. Like, I think I like, it would be good for me to go out there and start learning now. And I mean, he let me race. So I definitely, uh, I surprised myself definitely with, uh, being able to run up with those guys too. So once you made that decision and you talked to Bobby, was, did the team put expectations on you or put limits of, Hey, just be smart, be consistent. Or were they like, Hey, if you think you can go get a podium, go get a podium. Yeah, uh, I mean, the team was good with it. They didn't really put any pressure on me the whole day. It was just like, a, this is your first Supercross. You've got time. Let's go out there and just you know see where you stack up. Ride how you usually do. Ride like your fast days at the farm, and you'll be right there with the guys. And uh, I ended up doing that. So the team really didn't put any, like, you got to go top three or top five. Um, it was kind of just like a go out there and see where you stack up. Hey, Hayden, this is Scotty. I, I wanted to see if you could describe a little bit of the, the changes that you felt from like the adrenaline that you had for the past being an amateur and all the different things that you've experienced. Compare that adrenaline to right before that main event and, you know, like it's on, lights are going. Kind of just compare and contrast the, the changes of adrenaline that you felt. Yeah, definitely. In amateurs, I was the guy I expected to win most of the races. It was like that was like everyone kind of like wanted me to win, like put the pressure on me to win. Right. So, uh, when I came to supercross and besides the futures that round, like when I was racing round one of Houston, uh, the pressure, I mean, there was still pressure. I wanted, I put pressure on myself. Like I want to do good. And, uh, the adrenaline was definitely going on the line. Like, like you, I don't know, a lot of stuff goes through your head on the line. Like you want to get a good start. Like what if I don't get a good start? So, uh, I'd say honestly though, amateur racing, some of those amateur nationals, my general would get going a little more on the line compared to Houston where I knew it was just like a, a learning race. Obviously, um, obviously there is a lot of attention on you more than other amateurs. And I'm sure that's a lot to deal with. How different do you think your pro debut would have been if you didn't have that attention? Like, do you, do you think it would have been easier on you or does, does actually that fuel you a little bit and kind of, can you turn that into something positive? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have. A, I mean, there's a lot of people's opinions when I was going uh, pro debut. So uh, I just, I don't know. I kind of, all that stuff, I really try to block out when I go racing and even training days. I try to block all that stuff out. I try to just, you know, go back to like, just when I train and stuff, I think that I don't have any of that, right? Like I don't have any of those, like, I mean, having followers, it's good, but it, it becomes a distraction at sometimes. So I try to like, and racing and stuff, I try to block that out a little bit and just act like I'm just, you know, just another another kid like coming in to race Supercross, and that's kind of how I look at it. But uh, I mean, obviously, the people are going to put expectations on me because I have the following. So I try to just, I try not to pay attention to that because sometimes they'll get in my head. But if I just focus on myself and my racing, I'll be fine. Do you actually read your Instagram comments, or do you try and stay away from that stuff as much as you can? Yeah, I stay out of my Instagram comments. I mean, <laughs> it can get, I mean, people get arguing in there and stuff. It's actually, I mean, my dad will sometimes, I mean, if there's like positive stuff, like someone with like that races, like someone that knows actually how it is, like that races, it's like, like Ricky Carmichael or like, like Chase Sexton or any of those guys, like where a comment, he'll tell me that, like that stuff's like cool. Right. But like, besides that, I really, I never go on my Instagram comments. I mean, I don't even have Instagram on my phone. I just don't like, I just try to stay away from that stuff and focus on my goals and where I want to end up in these few next years. I appreciate the fact that you said, you know, that can get in your head a little bit if you read it. And, you know, post-race Saturday night, one of the first things you said, man, there's so many people that didn't believe in me or whatever. And yeah, I've talked to you probably every time I've interviewed you, I bring this up. It's like that, that has to be, that's a lot for any human being to deal with when there's so much we'll call haters. 
and but for you're a kid, man, and and people forget that. And it's weird. I see all these comments that people like. They go, oh, like, I I don't like Hayden because of all the hype, or I don't like Hayden, the Danger Boy because uh, they're they're just in my face too much or so much stuff. But like, your dad knows what he's doing. He's been promoting you and, and it building a business out of what you're doing. I think it's very smart. But if anybody took the time to to get had the chance to get to know you, you're one of the most polite kids I've ever met. Like it's it's you you don't act the way I think people think you're going to act, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, definitely people that are just watching on YouTube or over social media betray, usually betray different image of me because I mean, obviously my dad's, a lot of this has come from my dad. Like my dad had a big name and he helped me get here. And, uh, but I've built up some of it as well as racing and just, you know, being able to go fast. So yeah. But besides that, I just, I really just try to focus on myself and block all the people out on Instagram and stuff. That's smart. Uh, hey, while you're racing at Houston, do you say, oh, I'm going to try some different lines. I'm going to kind of see what the, what the track's like, see how the bike's reacting in some different lines and, and try to do some, almost some testing uh, while you're out there. Or are you just pushing forward and kind of staying where you're comfortable? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically when we got to Houston, I started riding the track and that's like, the most comfortable I've felt on a track. Like I felt so comfortable. Like A2, I really wasn't like meshing with the bike on the track. I wasn't meshing with the track and it was a little bit of a struggle for me. So when I got to Houston, I was really able to mesh with the track, like land in the corners, hit the rhythm smooth. It was like a relief. Like I actually felt good on the track. And I mean, we didn't, the bike was perfect. Like suspension was perfect. The power was perfect. We did some testing during the week to move the power around a little bit to get me a little more comfortable. And I mean, Shoot, it felt way better. Nice. You know, before I ask the question, like you were talking about the YouTube live stuff. I, I used to, I would always watch like the Loretta's and all that stuff on Racer TV. And whenever it was like two races or so before your race, dude, the chats were just like every other one with Hayden, 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 Hayden. Yeah. And like, so it's, you know, it's, it's definitely was there. But I, I wanted to see what you thought of, of your experience so far with Star Racing Yamaha team and, and what you think about Bobby Reagan and how, how you enjoy that whole program. Yeah, Bobby's been great. The whole team's been great. I got on here a year ago, like a little, I mean, a little over a year now. And it's it's just, I mean, it's a grind. It's training 24-7. It's, uh, you got to put heart into this. Like, there ain't no slacking. I mean, if you do slack, then it shows. So, uh, I've just, it's a, it's a full-time program, and I've loved it. It's, it's what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be on a pro team like this and race pro supercross and motocross. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. How different was your bike at the Futures to your bike in Houston? Yeah, my Futures bike was actually uh, quite a bit different than my, my bike I raced at uh, uh, Houston. It's a little bit different, like, motor-wise, suspension-wise. There's just different stuff on the amateur bikes compared to the pro bike, which uh, when I got on the pro bike, our suspension, I mean, it feels about the same. And then, obviously, we can mess with the motor a little bit, but... Power wise, I mean, I like the pro motor. Just I got a little more comfortable on it before the race, and uh, that's what we ended up going with. I'm guessing that before A2, you were riding the pro bike at the goat farm. So maybe that's why A2 was a bit of a struggle because you maybe didn't have that much time on the future bike before then. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, that's a uh, that's a good point. Like before before A2, I was uh, always on the pro bike. That's what, you know, that's what I've been training on. I race outdoors on the pro bike and then uh, 
just training for SX, I was riding the pro bike as well. And then the week before we got on the amateur bike and started trying to get used to that, which I did. I got used to it quick. I felt good on it. But uh, one thing we did miss out on is not practicing enough starts. And that showed at A2, I got a bad start. And uh, when you're when you get a, not a great start, sometimes it doesn't go as great as you want. So that's what kind of threw me off at A2 as well. I guess in hindsight, um, it was a good thing that you put so much time in on the pro bike because that showed at Houston. So, yeah, A2 didn't go how you expected, but clearly spending as much time on the pro bike as you did was the right decision in the end. Yeah, definitely. We got the pro bike dialed. I was, I mean, we just did after A2, it was strictly testing. Like, we got that bike perfect for me, like, super comfortable. And that was, I mean, that was our goal. Like, if you want to race Houston, we got to be comfortable. We got to, you know, mesh with the bike. So, we got it good. And, uh, I definitely, it definitely paid off. Yeah, Hayden. So I've, I've seen uh, videos of you going around those bowl corners probably a hundred times on my Instagram the last two days. And I, I just wanted to know, did, did, did you feel when you were going through those corners, like, holy, holy crap, I greased those. Or is that just kind of like how you just, just your riding and how you feel? Cause it looked crazy. So fast. Yeah. It was nuts. <laughs> so fast. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, at the farm, it, we get gnarly ruts in the turns, and that's where, at the farm, we can really lay into the ruts and get comfortable getting tons of speed through corners, and I just correlated that over to Houston, and I felt, I mean, the turns, I could, I watched the videos back, like, I was ripping them, it was pretty <laughs> sick to watch, just for myself, like, it felt good, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, when you hit the turns like that, it's kind of blurry, honestly, like, I just lay into it and gas it, and it's kind of blurry. Like your vision kind of goes blurry. I don't know if it's because you're going so fast or you're just moving. I don't know. But G-forces. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just felt good in the corners all day. You you mentioned testing a little bit ago. Do you feel like you're a good tester? Is that something kind of new to you? You know, are you able to say, uh, you know, maybe a couple clicks here, a couple clicks there, kind of understand what the bike's doing? Yeah, when it comes down to testing, I really feel like I'm, I'm good at that. Like I can find any little change like i could like i feel any little suspension change or any little motor change like i can feel that stuff pretty quick i mean some people really like some people can make a huge change and not even notice but for me like we'll make a change and i can notice pretty much instantly so uh yeah i've been pretty good at testing but do you understand like if you feel something that's off a little bit to say hey i think we need to do this or do you just say well this is what the bike feels like and trust your techs yeah i could i mean it goes both ways sometimes i know like exactly like what the feel is or and then sometimes it's kind of like a i kind of feel this but it's learning the bike you know learning what the suspension guy has to tell you learning what the motor guy has to tell you and eventually when you know that stuff it'll come to mind quick like what the problem is and you can tell them you know i I saw that excuse me I saw that they did a little future where they had your they had your sister. You know, she kind of talked about her program and, and being there watching you and stuff. And I was just curious: do when you go to her events, do they kind of do the same thing with you? Do they do they do a future with you? And and do you get an option opportunity to go to a lot of her stuff? Yeah, I've been to Haley's races a few times. I used to always go to her truck races because they were kind of local, like they weren't far from our house. But now she's always traveling on the weekends, and I'm always training. It's kind of hard to get out to Haley's races. But there's sometimes – I've been to a couple of them. And, I mean, they do sometimes interviews, but they at those races, like, they really focus on just the drivers. They don't ever, like, veer to, like, the family stuff much. Like, they don't, like, ever interview us. So when I've went, it's kind of just been, like, the eyes on Haley. But it is really fun watching her race and seeing her progress. It was cool, see, yeah, seeing them all there. A um, couple more things I want to ask you: with your results, with your fourth place, do you, does that 
does that make your expectations going into Tampa any different than they were before, or are you staying true to what you your what you came into Houston with? Uh, you know, do you now is it is the goal now like well now I can get a third, now I can get a second, or just let's let's keep learning? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go into Tampa just how I went into Houston. We're just here to log laps, learn, and try to execute what we do at the training facility. And, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to go try and get top three. I'm not even going to say I'm going to try and go get top five. I'm just going to go ride out there how I know how to ride. Ride smooth and, you know, just try and ride smart as well. Log laps and uh, be consistent as well because consistency is definitely key. That's one thing I watched, like, back when Ryan Dungey raced, he was really consistent. And I feel, I feel like that really helped him get some championships. So consistency is key. And just trying to, like, trying to get that in my mind, you know, trying to put that on the track. So basically it's just going to be out there trying to learn more and log laps. Yeah, that's smart, man. You're, you're doing things the smart way. Uh, like I said, two more things. Your whoop speed was really, really good on some laps, and then some other laps, you know, the bike would get a little sideways and you'd struggle. But I think everybody was kind of having the same issue. But I felt like you were quite a bit better in the whoops than in uh, A2. So is that just something that you really, really have to work on a lot? How comfortable are you in the whoops? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at A2, I was like a little, when I was racing, I was nervous. I was like breathing. I wasn't like really focusing. And I feel like that may have messed me up a little bit. Where when I raced Houston, I was like, I was really focused. I was like breathing. I was focused. I was riding smooth. And every, like, I mean, there was a couple laps, right? Got a little sketchy, but I feel like most of the laps I was able to just get in my high gear and execute the whoops. Like not crazy speed. I wouldn't come in super hot. And I didn't feel like I was going too slow, just in a good pace and hit them smooth every lap. And I feel like every lap besides a couple. And I feel like that really helped me towards the end of the race as well, hitting the whoops smooth. Because if you get any bit of like getting sketchy in the whoops, it really puts a toll on like you're, like when you like run out of breath quick or mm. get arm pump. Like if you get sketchy in the whoops, it really tolls your body. So being smooth in the whoops really helps towards the end of the race. You know, you in the heat race, you had you you had pretty easily passed uh, J Mart, and I was wondering if at the end of that race, were you consciously trying to catch him and pass him, or were you just kind of like, man, I'm just like, I'm just trying to just be smooth, and then the opportunity kind of presented itself. Yeah, I mean, I when I was behind J Mart, like I my heat race start wasn't as good as I wanted it either. That's why I've been working on it this week. It starts a little better, but I made my way up to behind J Mart. And it was kind of like a surreal moment for me. Like, it's kind of sick. Like, I'm, like, battling with Jamar. Like, I'm about to pass Jamar. It was kind of like, it was a crazy moment for me. And then, yeah, I mean, I was just letting the race come to me, though, riding smooth, not worrying about who's around me. And then the, the opportunity was there. He, ma- he made a little mistake in the outside of the sand, and I was on the inside. And uh, we just got next to each other, and I was able to make the pass, execute it, like, pretty good. And uh, just went back to where I was and focused on the race and was able to finish it out smooth. All right, last one, Hayden. Do as you get older and become an adult, do we keep the Danger Boy nickname? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've talked to my dad about that. I'm like, are we ever going to change my Instagram to Hayden Deegan, or are we going to keep it Danger Boy? And it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I think Danger Boy is like a good name to use because kids will like if we do a clothing brand which is Danger Boy on it. I feel like some kids kids are going to like that, like merch and stuff that says Danger Boy or Danger Boys on it. Like you can still use that name, but. I think eventually we might move. I don't think I'll move away from it, to be honest. I think okay. Danger Boy is a pretty sick name to use for marketing and stuff. Hey, it works for me. I was just curious, man. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I like seeing your drive. Uh, you know, I like seeing how well you're doing. It's really the, all the rookies coming out this last weekend was really cool to see. 
the 250 East is going to be a lot of fun to watch, man. I appreciate you coming on with us this week and uh, look forward to, I'll be staying home, but our boy Lewis will be in, in Tampa. So I'm sure he'll come by and talk to you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, I'm excited to go to, go to Tampa. So yeah, thank you. All right. Tell your dad, I said, thank you for uh, allowing you to come on and you, the time you guys have given us and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Sweet. Thank you. All bye. Right. See you, Hayden. That's Hayden Deegan. Good times. He was brought to you by Guts Racing. I also want to mention X-Brand, which is quietly growing into one of the premier goggle choices available. Using some of the most grueling conditions by 2022 GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass, the 2022 GNCC ATV Pro champion Bryson Neal, Factory Huskies Craig DeLong, many others. Visit xbrand.com or go to your local dealership and ask for xbrand distributed through WPS. Last week, we asked for your emails. We're going to give away a set of Lucid goggles. We picked the winner. Philip Whitehead is the winner. So, guys, we're going to be doing some more uh, contests coming up. Just reach out to motoxpodshow at gmail.com when we do these things. Let us know what you think about the show. You know, if you like Lewis Phillips or not, we want to hear those stories. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to be doing a giveaway in a little bit. We're going to mention that once we get to the the proper time, Scotty. But, yeah, these giveaways are cool. Congratulations to Phil Whitehead on winning a set of Lucid goggles. You need to get you some, don't you? You don't even have any. I don't even have anything to ride. <laughs> oh, you're still down a bike. Are you, man, you're never going to get to ride. Yeah, my life's sad, dude. Poor Scotty, poor Scotty. Uh, I don't know. Six months ago, went riding and changed no, the oil, but didn't tighten the drain plug. It was it was almost a year ago. It was like June, so like what nine eight, nine months, eight nine months. Yeah. He, so anyway, he doesn't have a bike, Lewis. That's sad. Neither do I. Though. So who? What? Who am I? Yeah, Lewis. We're in the same boat. Yeah, well, we could probably get Lewis in the same bike. ship. Been... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we got a little bit of time before we get to Max Anstey. Let's hit. I thought it was funny. I don't. Yeah, you just asked the Danger Boy question. I don't think Danger Man would work very no, well. No, so. that's, <laughs> that sounds really bad. We won't go with Danger Man. I'm danger Man. Let's talk about Justin Cooper, Scotty. Overall, uh, or qualified 14th, got seventh in the heat, seventh in his main. Looked really good though. Like seventh is not bad at all for a rookie debut in a 450. I think he's going to get better. I was very impressed with him. I will. Do I will do my comment as a, as kind of a question to to y'all. Okay. Um, so I I was thinking about that. You know, I was looking at the qualifying, and uh, Cooper was fourteenth, and then Tomac and Ferrandis were second and third. So he's like, okay, you know, those are the guys. Yeah. They're they're up there going into the race. Do you think once Ferrandis went out that he was standing on that restart line and he was like. I've got it. This is my, this is my kind of, this is my chance. Do you think that that affected his performance at all? Lewis? I'm not going to lie. I lost complete track of what was going on there. Where there was a Ferrandez mention, then there was a Cooper, then we started on Cooper. I got very lost with who we were talking about and why. So he, he said that sitting on the restart, did Justin Cooper, yes. did those things motivate him? But is what you're asking, right? Yeah, well, once, because, you know, Ferrandis and the Tomac had established themselves for, as far as star as the guys all oh, day. The guys at star, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I they were the you know they were the two guys at star. They were second and third in qualifying. Yeah, Cooper yeah, yeah. was fourteenth. You know, in his exactly. head, he's like, okay, those are the guys. I'm back here. You know, but then once Ferrandis is out, he's like, oh, this is this is my chance. An opportunity. Like, to this show is an opportunity. Right? It's you think that that changed his performance at all? I don't think so. No, I think he's just trying to get used to the 450 and kind of find out where he is. I don't think. No, I don't think Ferrandis going down and out 
had any effect on him other than maybe it's like, oh, that's not, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, if this was a one-race tryout, then sure. Um, if if this was literally like you get you get one race and then your deal was cut, um, yeah, I can understand why maybe he would see it as an opportunity. But he's set for the next uh, 11 months, so he has nothing to worry about like grabbing opportunities or anything. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you do you think that? How impressed, Lewis? Were you? Sorry, to interrupt, Scott. How impressed were you, Lewis, or maybe not impressed at all with Justin's performance? Yeah, it was it was very good. But honestly, I think that's I think he is that good. Like, I was impressed. Yeah. Was I surprised? No, I don't think so. I think I had him ninth at worst, maybe seventh at best. Um, Passing Ken Roxon was impressive, of course. That was a highlight. But, um, yeah, I think Justin Cooper is just that good. I think that he would be that good in 450 if he was there all the time. It's just a bit of a shame that he isn't, and he's still messing around with a 250 class. What do you think, Scotty? Yeah, I thought I thought it was very impressive, and and to to see how he he was able to work his way through the pack and you know figure his way out and like and you know being it's hard to come in when those guys already have four rounds in yeah and so like I was definitely very impressed with his performance and do you do you think that we see because I don't know how long Ferenc is going to be out I've heard a little bit that well, it's not. Yeah. He, I, Lewis mentioned that he's he's saying he's going to try to come back in two weeks. I two, think, so, do you think that I mean Cooper comes in an extra race maybe than he was supposed to, or was he already planning on racing Tampa? I, I, I don't think they gave us a definite rounds, did they, Lewis? It's just sort of no. I I asked Cooper and he said, um, "Yeah, I'm doing four to five rounds. They should be within the next couple of months." Like he kind of made it sound like the five rounds that he will be doing will be doing are soon. But he didn't say exactly what ones and whether they're going to be in a row or whatever. Again, stupid. Yeah, I, I think the guy has the potential, Lewis, you might call me crazy, to possibly get a podium by the end of the year. If things go... Some, some things would have to fall right, but I think he's fast Yeah, enough. like injuries. Okay, but, how many injuries no, before he gets... <laughs> no, but like this, yeah, that's Four? Like he was seventh at the moment. Say there are two injuries to the guys ahead of him, which there probably will be. That puts him fifth, and then at that point, he's kind of in contention for a podium. So yeah, it's not the well, it's not the craziest prediction, but it is because he won't be racing. So <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, am I crazy though saying that maybe he gets a podium? You think it's no way? I, I think it's. I wouldn't say no way, but it's a, a reach. More than likely, no way. It's it's a reach. Okay, you're enough. reaching. Fair enough. <laughs> That was my hot take, or my, <laughs> maybe. Um, are we worried about Adam C. and Cirillo, Lewis? Not really moving up any spots, kind of just staying in that top 10. Like, I just, I thought we'd see a little more by now. Nope, uh, we are seeing more. We oh. are seeing more because his actual ride, uh, at the beginning of the races, he's showing a little more speed, um, a little more resistance. So I think we are seeing signs of improvement. They're just not showing in the results yet. But I think that's fine as long as we see the improvements out on track. Because if there are improvements out on track, they will soon enough start to happen consistently. Um, and then it will be the end result. For now, I think it's fine. I haven't seen anything too worrying. If he was finishing 10th by starting 10th and holding on for dear life, okay, that would be a bit concerning. But there are enough flashes, even in practice, to say to me that he is making the improvements he needs to. You're very perceptive. I like you, Lewis. <laughs> 
I like you too, Jamie. <laughs> Do you have any concerns, Scotty? Because, again, I guess I keep waiting to see these flashes of insane speed where he's running up front, you know, at least for a few laps. And I'm just consistently, like, kind of bummed out. Well, he, he qualified fifth, so. Yeah. So that's, but not, that's like, I, I just like, where, where are these top qualifying positions was, week after week after week? Yeah. Put, I, in, put in the heater, AC. I, I will say this, though, and, and I think – Kawasaki would take this. He would take this. And I've always, I've been a out of Cincinnati fan since I saw him ride 80, 80s in Lake Whitney like 12 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see, I would rather see ninths and tenths and eights than him go th- two rounds and then be in second and wreck and be out for the season. So, okay. I'm, I'm happy with top tens and being there. I'd rather see him there in 10th than, than hear him get hurt again. Yeah, I definitely don't want him to get hurt again because mentally I don't know that he can handle that, Lewis. We, we've we seen him. T- he's talked. Lewis, or AC's talked about dealing with those struggles of the mental side. If he gets hurt again, yeah, that might <laughs> that could be really bad. Yes, let's not even talk about that. Let's not put that negativity into the universe. Okay. But <laughs> I, like I will it. say that that's another positive of what I've seen out of him. I have not seen a single sketchy moment. There hasn't. There hasn't been a single, apart from Anaheim 1 when he crashed in the whoops in time practice, there hasn't been mo- one moment where I've gone, ah, shit, look at AC, <laughs> like, oh, fuck, this is a disaster. Yeah. Um, which is good. It, slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. That's what we're out. That's what we, I'm not a part of it, but that's what he is out here for. WUSA is your source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, who won this weekend, uh, plus, second through seventh in the 250 East main event, W Wheels has what you need. Give us a call or check out our website, WUSA.com, or follow us on Instagram to see some of the latest and coolest builds we have. And don't forget to use pro- promo code MOTOXPOD show to save. Tonight, WUSA brings us Max Ansi. What's up, Max? Hello, guys. How's it all going? It's going good. I, I want to apologize to you right off the bat that once again, you have to deal with Lewis Phillips. He just will not leave you alone. <laughs> that's the best thing that's happened to America. Wow. Guys. I think, um, yeah, I, I think he's uh, he's definitely going to make the, uh, the the pits a better place for, for all the media people in, in the U.S. So, um, oh, thank so, you, yeah. friend. <laughs> I, I have him on FaceTime right now, and he is smiling so big, Max. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't actually disagree with you. I think he's going to be a pleasure to have over here. I just hope he gets a little better at introducing himself and being more comfortable in his own skin. Well, yeah, um, well, he's, he's just got to go up to him and be like, you know, ka-chow, here I am. You exactly. know, what's, what's going on? You, um, you can already see the positive impact I'm having because look at what I did to Max at the weekend. That would have been, that wouldn't have happened. If I oh, that was your, that was your doing. Yeah. That was that was like ninety nine percent me. So yeah, you know, I said to him, I said to him on Saturday in the daytime, I went up to him and I said, "Fly away, Stanley, be free," and that's exactly <laughs> what we had in the result. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's it. Me and me and Lou just just get it done. So no, we're um, we're good. You know, it's uh, live, living life in America, living living the dream. We're loving it. Yeah, qualifying first, second the heat race, second the main event for Firepower Honda. Hard to believe this was your first podium. Uh, I think your best previous finish might have been a fourth in 2010. Um, what what feels different this season than in years past, if anything? 
uh, I'm on a 250. Okay, um, that, that, that makes that much difference for you. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, you know, last year, you, know, you still got to remember, like, I'm, I'm still n- relatively new to, to to Supercross in the US. You know, I I came okay when I was 16. I, I raced Supercross in in 2010. Um, that was my only full season of of West Coast Supercross when I when I rode for Star Yamaha way back in the day and I was ju- I just turned 16 and and that was my my only full season then, then I went back to Europe and and my focus was primarily the world championship I came over and did the odd you know one or two you know like the Europeans do here and there you know come and do a couple and and it never really went very well with the European team and this and that um did that for a, for a couple of years then I realized that you know you can't do two jobs um well there's no point in doing two jobs at 50 percent or you know a bit half-assed i i need to focus on one job which at that moment in time i was getting paid to race the world championship i've got to just focus on that so so i instead of my winter prep being in the u.s and riding supercross i started going to spain and and doing the usual gp you know prep spain sardinia all of that stuff uh, then you know fast forward 2020 i came out here um it, it was covid came out here with, with suzuki with hgp and then and and then didn't didn't race supercross in in 2020 just did the outdoors and then 21 um i only raced from orlando onwards so i think i did like six or seven rounds on the 450 and yeah obviously that class is gnarly you know like i haven't raced i haven't raced the 250 class in 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 forever so then uh, the year after was uh was was rocky mountain when um yeah the, the ktm team when when that was still there and i i only did six or seven rounds of that until that all went a bit sideways mm, um true so so yeah it, it it's one of those where you know when this opportunity came up and, and obviously i'm going from deal to deal i wanted to ride a 250 when i originally came to america but you know it's so hard to um it's so hard to to, to to get a team to to go oh i think you're going to be pretty good at supercross i think you'll be all right on a 250 it's like i told every team that i was eligible to ride a 250 and um it was marty martin davalos and and Yurive that were flat out pushing me to to to, to make it work with firepower honda and, and man I'm, I'm glad they did because because you know you can't jump to step 10 without going to step one step two step three and for me i have to go and do step one which is this 250 class i have to refine my craft refine what what i think i need to do to you know if one day i want to go back and be competitive in the 450 class you, you know you, you can't expect to be to be good in the 450 class when my my best result last year was an 11th and and, and it was it was good like honestly fuck, when i look back on it now i was just as fast and 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 as you know the same mentally like how i feel as what i did going into this last weekend at at houston but the difference is 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 yeah i i have a i have a good team a good bike and and a and a good group of people around me now i'm refining my my craft and 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 i'm you know going back to the drawing board of, of step one and and this is now um, where I'm at in this 250 class, you know, get getting a getting a top 10 in that 450 class when every single one of those guys in the top 10, 12, or 15 have all won a championship in the 250 class. Like, how do you expect to compete with them if you haven't gone through those steps um, yourself? So, so that's just it's just something um, 
yeah, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing I would say different uh, about, about myself. You know, I, I'm, it's quite funny because like, yeah, I got on the podium. Everyone thinks, oh, he's an overnight success. I'm nearly 30 years old. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> it takes years and years and years of fucking work and, and putting in the effort, whether it's training or riding or racing and having the experience. And I don't have an abundance of experience in supercross, but I have a lot of race experience and, and that, that showed at the weekend, you know, when, uh, when I was pretty solid and, and safe in, in both the heat and the main didn't do, didn't do anything too silly, but of course anything can happen. I I'm, I'm constantly building and learning and growing. And, and right now racing this 250, I feel like I'm an 18 year old kid. Um, you know, back every day trying to figure out how to go faster, but with a little <laughs> bit of an experience, uh, maybe just a different view on, on appreciating everything and all the opportunities that I've got, but also, um, just a, a little bit more calm. I, I, I guess I, I, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's, a, there's one specific thing that's, wow, it's, it's, this has made a massive difference. If, if it is one thing, it's Martin Davalos and Yuri Konsky. They're the only things go. that have made a big difference for, uh, for, for, for me and, and, and the result of the weekend. Okay. The good thing as well is it's, uh, going back to the 250s is like scratching an itch. Uh, because like um, San Diego 2010, you should have been on the podium there, but you threw it away with two corners to go. Um, and then when you came back to America, you were gonna, you had a tryout with Star Yamaha. Uh, there was talk of Hep with Hep about doing a 250 for like a day. Um yeah, you'd never got a chance to go back to 250s. Like, you never would have got to scratch this itch and seen how good you could have been. Well, yeah, it, it's one of those where, like, <sighs> my whole 250 career in Europe, I raced Jeffrey. And, like, I've got to give him a lot of credit. Like, the old boy was so flipping fast on a 250. And, and when he wasn't there... I, I think I, I even think I, my stats are I am the second most winningest 250 rider at that period of time um, to him, but he won basically everything. And it was, it was so, you know, I was always, always getting my ass kicked. And, and it was, it was one of those where uh, 2016 Mercosur Nations at Majora, I remember putting the bike on the side of the truck thinking I've aged out of the MX2 class thinking I'm never going to, ever ride a 250 again i'm done with the 250 class i won races yes i won i don't know six races or however many it was i had great success but i never really put it together and was oh, I, I never won a championship you know i at 2015 i was 50 points out of the championship or something or 49 points going into the last race like you know i technically i could have won it if i went one one and the other and geyser and jonas never showed up or whatever but but like it's it's one of those where I I thought I was never going to ever ride a 250 again, and then all these years later, look at this. I'm I'm back on a 250, and, I, and I'm I'm able to take all the experience that I've had, you know, not necessarily racing Supercross, but racing all, all over the world, and 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 being on all these different teams and factory teams all over the world, and 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 now bring this into um a bit of stability for myself going into this, to this supercross championship. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. I mean, to be honest, I'm, it's crazy how the world works, but I'm so happy that I'm here and, and I, I love supercross. I love being here in America and just how it's all worked out as, as been so great. Yeah. That's awesome. I love hearing that. You know, Max, so 
I just kind of wanted to see, like, at, at at what point in the day did you feel like, oh, it's it's on? Like, I'm like I've qualified well. I'm 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 doing good. Is and do you contribute that to maybe something the way the track felt to you, or just a general feeling you had, or was it a bike setup, or at what point were you like, okay, this this is going to happen? Before you answer, I I like that question because I think you told Lewis in the post race stuff that during qualifying you didn't really it was you were having a hard time believing how that you were at the top of the board yeah so <laughs> i mean that's the 450 in me um you know 450 class 450 rider in me um doesn't even bother looking at the board because <laughs> it's 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 more than likely got tomac sexton cooper webb um i think cerillo and anderson or whoever i yeah, don't even know yeah. there's so many so many guys that it's like uh yeah okay there's not really any point um it, it, looking at the board so it was weird in, I, I did track walk and, and I was talking to Jeremy Martin and talking to a few guys. And I'm like, I'm like, man, like I haven't raced any of these guys for like, I haven't raced Jeremy Martin in years, but I haven't raced a lot of these guys. There was a lot of young rookies and, and, uh, and I haven't, yeah, like, I haven't raced any of these guys. I have no idea. Um, but again, the other side of me, which I suppose is a little bit more, um, experienced is, is like, I only focus on myself. All that's not really important. It's, you can't, you can't really focus on the other people. Um, and you learn that in the 450 class because, because the amount of times that I've gone to the line in the heat race and looked up at the board and thought, Ooh, there's 10 good guys and there's only nine spots to get into the main. This is going to be tough. (laughs) Um, You realize, you realize that you, you can't think about anyone else but yourself, but executing your own plan. So, so I went out there for free practice and I didn't really put a lap in until the very last lap had a mega lap going. Well, I, I thought was a good lap. And I landed straight on the top of Marshall Welting, like literally framed his back and his head and his shoulder um, right in the section before the finish. Like he, I thought he was going to double and he completely like checked up and I pulled out of a triple that I was going to do and kind of like wheel tapped onto him. Somehow I didn't crash. Um, I mean, I flattened him. I squashed him. <laughs> he was fine in the end. I was like, oh my days, what just happened? Um I thought, welcome to the 250 class. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then I, I came into the pits and, and I ended up ninth in the first practice. So I was like, I was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm top 10 like this, you know, it's not bad. Like maybe, you know, I don't know how good that last lap would have been. Um, but it just, it just was what it was. Um, I felt exactly like I normally did at every other race that, uh, you know, finishing ninth in practice. I was like, okay, yeah, no, no, see where we are. And then, then I went out there for time training and again, just, just did my plan, stuck to my plan, um, stuck to my plan, stuck to my laps, didn't do anything special, which I'm honestly most proud about or most, uh, happy with that. I didn't jump the quad. I didn't jump anything you know i didn't have to do anything special to be the fast i didn't just absolutely nail the whoops with my eyes closed or or like do something like that i just rode normal um and and, and i put a, a decent lap together but just like i do in practice like no different from my from my practice laps um and then i did i, I looked at the board because i thought god that's got to be in the top five so like i looked at the bottom of the board and, and there's quite a lot of red obviously because because hunter's red moseman's red and then I'm red. So I was thinking, oh, you know, like 
I was looking at the bottom to see like the red ones and it wasn't me. And I was thinking, oh shit, maybe I didn't get top five. And then I didn't realize because I went under the bridge and I didn't realize that I was first until I looked back when I went under the bridge and I was at the top of the board. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, so that was quite cool. And, and I think, I think to be honest, after that, even after that, I thought maybe I'd fluked it. Because um, I went back and texted my mates back at home, and I said, "Did you watch that?" And they said, "No, we missed it. We got the times wrong." And I was like, "Oh no!" I said, "Now I got to go and do it again." And then I done it again the second time. And the second time, I was actually a little more stressed because because um, the second time I done it, I done my lap earlier, and it wasn't that good. And I wanted to do another lap. I literally got to the finish line, and it went to zero. Like as I was going, I went around the whoops, and it was. I had like 10 seconds to go and I knew I wasn't going to make it round to the finish line in time. So I was like, oh no, they're for sure going to go faster than me on this last lap. Like <laughs> I'm going to drop down the leaderboard. And, um, and I didn't, you know, by, so, so that was handy. Um, so that was, it was definitely cool to, to, to do it twice. Then after that, um, it wasn't that I knew that I was on to be honest after that, I was happy with my day. I could have gone home right then and been like, yeah, sweet job done. I've never been fastest before. That was, uh, that was cool. I proved a lot to my team and to myself and, you know, Marty's built a great bike. The bike's working well. We're, we're in a good spot. Um, I, I feel good. So I, I was literally, uh, the, the pressure was kind of off then. Cause then I went into the heat race in the main and just thought I'll execute my stuff. I can't control what other people are doing. Um, I'm not going to do anything too silly. I'm not going to, you know, step over the limit of what I can do. I'm just going to ride my laps and wherever I end up, I end up. At least I don't have to ride over my head to go fast because I've already proved that I've got the speed. So I'm I'm pretty happy with just riding how I want to ride. Um, so, yeah, that was, yeah, that was that. Uh, see if you can clear something up for us. We were, Lewis and I and Scotty were talking earlier just about the track and I thought the layout was pretty cool. I like the long yeah. rhythms and the 180s, but we're Lewis was actually questioning like it, I, we wonder why it didn't seem like it like it didn't make for a lot of passing or really maybe not even really great racing. What did you think about the track? What what did you see since you were out there? Obviously, well, that's actually a good thing as well because to be honest, in my whole career. I've I've always excelled when the tracks are really technical or like when when like it's either muddy or super sandy or super, so I'm actually quite happy that I went fastest and have got a good result when the track was relatively basic like everyone says easy to, like uh, not not easy to pass on um I'm, I'm happy with that the whoops weren't anything special um I, yeah I don't know the track was just um the the, the track was fine I mean the whoops the whoops weren't, yeah, the whoops weren't anything special. The rhythms were pretty, pretty basic. I started doing a different rhythm before the finish just because I was talking about it with Dean, my teammate, and I thought it was going to be better. But on the 250, I feel like I was actually losing a little bit of time there. Um, the sand was tricky, but again, not not too difficult. Um, no one on a 250 jumped the quad. Like if, say like if the star Yamaha's jumped the quad and it was like, oh, like we have to jump the quad like then it would have got a little bit more spicy i think mm. um but because no one jumped that we just kind of stuck to the basic style yeah like you said it was it was pretty but i mean i would say it's pretty basic but i don't know maybe i'm just getting better at superclass <laughs> I, <laughs> I like that answer I don't know. <laughs> yeah i like but, that yeah i like that response lewis <laughs> um yeah actually speaking of the track this is something we haven't spoken about um 
Webb said to me after the race that it's the most traction he's ever felt on a Supercross track. So did you think um did you think the same? Um I thought it was it was pretty grippy. Um I've seen some pictures of the track this weekend and that looks um a lot more marbly. So yeah, we could be on for a for a slicker one this weekend. Or a butter. Um, I mean, yeah, it 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 was it it was um it was a lot it was a lot tackier than australia anyway when i was over there racing so um so yeah uh but but i don't know i i i didn't feel i didn't it was weird i didn't feel like it was anything too special but i also didn't feel like the whole day was anything too special i just just cracked on and and did my laps and and it felt like it felt a lot like the the practice track that we have at mtf so it it was good it all came pretty pretty easy and pretty natural to me so um yeah, no, I, I was I was happy with it, but it it was it was grippy. But there was there was a few like edges in there, and and that 450 class, I walked the track after the 450 main because um, I had to wait for the press conference. And man, they absolutely destroyed that track. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it, it, the, the boots were a minefield. There was the ruts were just horrible everywhere, and the the ruts in the face of that quad, which you don't see on TV, the 450 guys, there there was probably. 12 ruts in there and they were all pretty deep and they were all so close to each other and you just think oh my days how are these guys tripling this and just absolutely sending this quad in one of these ruts and there's just there's just <laughs> loads of them um so yeah the the track was was definitely gnarly for the 450 class and um and stuff but but yeah that's that's normal i suppose i just haven't ever got to walk the track after um so it was quite nice to get on the podium to do that <laughs> You know, as Max, so I, I, you know, Hunter was kind of always, obviously, the favorite coming into this season, especially after a couple of the preseason injuries as well. Did did you see anything maybe during the race or during the day, or even if you, I don't know if you watched the replay back, but if if you saw that, does is there anything that Hunter did that kind of surprised you, or that maybe you learned from, or how did you kind of feel comparing yourself to what he was what he was doing? I mean, not really. I mean, I trained with him last year. Like, I trained at eighty three compound um, with, with with Rocky Mountain. So, so I was always there with with Hunter and Jet. They were on the two fifty, and I was on the four fifty. So we, you know, though I was always in the gym with the guys. Like, um, yeah, no, Hunter's a great rider. That I've got, I've got a lot of respect for for all of the guys that are up there that have have done well. Um, but. No, it it didn't it didn't necessarily surprise me, or I didn't th- see anything that I that I thought was um yeah like like uh, anything. Oh wow, that was crazy different. It was just he's solid, he rides well, and um he puts himself in a good position. That's you know um that that that's literally uh, that's literally. It. And to be honest, it was a, it was a hard one because I didn't race him in in the heat race. Um and then and then the main event. By the time I got to second, he was he was kind of already gone. And I had already got it in my head that I wasn't, you know, we're, we're all relatively the same speed. It's not like, oh, yeah, if you've got a couple of hundreds on someone, it's fine. But you're not going to gain seconds and seconds and seconds. Um, and maybe unless you're Chase Sexton, um, which, which he seems to be able to do. Um, so I, I was just at the point where I was managing the the, the gap to behind me um, and just hitting my marks and trying not to ride over my head. Um, so I didn't honestly get to see to see him uh, to see him too much, but again, he just put himself in a good position, rode well, and and that's yeah, that, that's it really. Max, I know it's late on the East Coast, so 
thanks for joining us for a little bit. I appreciate it. I know you probably only came on because of Lewis, so thanks to Lewis also for making that happen. But uh, it was really fun watching you this weekend, and I hope it continues. Well, thanks. Cheers, mate. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited for uh, these next ones. All right, buddy. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. All righty. Thank you, guys. Cheers for, uh, cheers for all of that. Yep. Bye, Max. Yep. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That is Max Anstey. Lewis, uh, that was good. Yeah. Do you want to know why it was especially good? Why? I just won a bet. Oh, really? What was the bet? Um, did you hear at the beginning when I told Max that I went up to him in the day and said something like, something fly away, Stanley, be free? Yeah. That was the line that I had to get in the interview. And he did not get his line into the interview because he had one as well. So I just won 20 bucks. Oh, nice. I was <laughs> wondering what that was about. That Because it was, yep. yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, Max and answer- he just messaged me and said, I didn't get my thing in. I thought I was going to have more time to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was almost 20 minutes, man. I, was, I knew it was getting late. That's funny. Well, thank you. I just won. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was he supposed yeah. to say? We should call him back. He was supposed to. Hold on. Let me scroll up. Okay. Well, to... Max Ancy was brought to you by Guts Racing uh, or WUSA. Sorry. WUSA bringing you Max Ancy. Did you find it? Yes. He was supposed to say, what in the blue blaze is crazy hot rodder? <laughs> which he, which to be honest, he could have done easily. I didn't tell him this. I said I knew how he could do it. Yeah. But. He could have said, oh, I came over to finish in practice, looked at the board, saw myself in first, and thought, what in the blue blazes? Crazy hot rodder. And that would have kind of fit in. (laughs) I love that. He did say a couple. like He said, like, oh, my days and and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's just easy. easy. (laughs) Uh, All right. So I want to jump into a new segment, and then we'll let you go, Lewis, because I know you've got some other stuff to do, uh, and you're headed out to Tampa here. When do you leave for Tampa? A couple days? Thursday? Uh, tomorrow, no, uh, early tomorrow morning because uh, we're going in early because we are touring sales. That's right. right. Okay, so the new segment brought to you by Motul. Founded in 1853, Motul is a 170-year-old company that is present in over 160 countries globally, offering exclusive technology and their patented Ester Core technology for your machine. I want to highlight their product, Motul 300V. For decades, Motul has developed high-performance synthetic ester-based lubricants. By selecting ester over other high-performance synthetic-based stocks and combining them with an innovative additive package, Motul has created a perfect synergy. The most advanced ester core technology allows the maximum power output of the engine without compromising reliability and wear. So Motul 300V. Tonight for the new segment, the Motul Weekend Highlight. We're going to pick something that we thought was the highlight of the weekend for us. Uh, If you're not at the race, like Scotty wasn't at the race this weekend, it's going to be something that happened in the race. I told Lewis it could be just something from the weekend. It It could be driving around Houston and... Go the wrong way on a one-way street, which we won't talk about. But, uh, Scotty, I'm going to let you go first. What was your highlight from watching the race from home? Um, it's a coin flip between... Oh, well, the, you got two on the first I one? I said it's a coin flip. So it's either... It's either it's, it's quick. If you let me finish, it would have been... I would have already been done. <laughs> the the uh, drama at the end of the LCQ or, <laughs> or, watching, or watching... Uh, Cody Shocks send his uh, ship into the uh, the the over under. So total annihilation either way was your highlight. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're here for, we're right? Talk about both the subjects separately. So okay, we'll go with that. Lewis, go ahead. What's yours? Uh, well, it's hard because there's so much that happened. Um, I met quite a lot of nice fans, so that was nice. That was a highlight. Um, 
what I would want to say, which I'll probably get heat for, but genuinely, um, Sex and Feet Race, I genuinely feel like that was not historic, but it was, like, very cool to witness. Yeah. Because at that time, it was such a... Like, no one does that to We Like Tomax. It was just, like, kind of like a special thing to witness, I think. I think that we'll be talking about Sex and Feet Race in Houston in 10 years' time when we interview him about, like, different points in his career. I think we'll say, oh, remember Houston Heat Race? You, that must have been the fastest you ever felt kind of thing. All right. Well, I'm going to pick a non-racing moment, but in the press box Saturday night, when the shorts came in, Hudson came up, which is Andrew and, and Jackie's son. He gave me a hug. The kid is really excited. He loved, He listens to the Pulp Show, and he's he's just he's a fan of of everybody. And like th- that was just a cool moment for me. I like that kid's a cool kid. He followed me on Instagram, which I, I was kind of stoked on, just because I like Hudson. He's a good kid. So for me, that was a highlight. Uh, yeah. Becoming famous. No, it had nothing to do with that. It was just the fact that he was so excited to be there, and it's just such a good family. So that was my highlight. So that's my Motul weekend highlight. We appreciate Motul. Uh, Lewis, we'll go ahead and let you get going. Get, uh, you're in Vegas with Sean. Yeah? I can stay on. I can stay on. I'm not doing okay. anything. Do you, All right. Right. Just, you want me to go? It's up to you. No, no, that's fine. I just didn't want you to feel like you had to stay on if you had if you want to I'm go. I'm sure you've got some. I'm, I'm sure you want to talk to Scotty, but it's up to you. It's up no, to you. No, I really don't. Friend. Well, I really, uh, Lewis, don't. I will. I will say, I I was talking to Darkside earlier, and I would have paid good money to have a, a montage of you in the press box when Anstey got a top qualifier, and then Sexton was pulling off in the heat race, and then all the all the highlights of your the things that he loves, the things that he loves. I I would have paid money to see to see your reactions on this on the whole day. It would have been great. That's just what I do for riders. Yeah. We continuously <laughs> practice. Absolutely dominated practice. Domination. Let's do... I know you guys love this. Let's do another ad read real quick. FXR is designed by racers for racers with industry-leading fit, finish, and performance. Progression is the name of the game with every new piece created. At FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best product possible. Visit fxrracing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways as well as the snow lines and lifestyle casual wear. And speaking of the casual wear, I talked to Andy White today, and he's going to let us give away a casual package. It's going to be a hat and a T-shirt. What you have to do is email the show, motoxpodshow at gmail.com, and I want you to put in the in the body of the, uh, the email who is the – which rider on the 250 West Coast that's an FXR rider has the most points? Send us your emails. We'll pick a winner by the next show. And, uh, yeah, somebody get some FXR stuff. And Andy also said that he wants to make this a regular thing, so continue to listen to win. Uh, Scotty, Ken Roxon, another guy. Last week I felt like that was the best I've seen him ride all year. This week kind of felt mediocre, uh, qualified 10th. Fifth in the heat, eighth in the main. He started eighth and really didn't move around a whole lot. Another guy that I keep hearing, oh, you know, he's still getting used to the Suzuki and still trying to figure things out. He wasn't super happy with the suspension early on, but like I, I, I'm expecting more out of Kenny. Like I want to see some laps led. I want to see him battling for a top four or five minimum. That's what I expect out of Kenny, and I'm not seeing it. Yeah, I, I don't know if. Maybe a couple of weekends where the track just everything lines up, but I, I think that you know I think he's just behind he's just behind the ball on the Suzuki, and I just I I just don't know if it's if it's going to happen. I I love Kenny and I've always been a fan of his over the years, and I want to see his success, but I just it's just tough to see it happening, especially the the pace that Sexton and Tomac are going right now. Lewis, I'm I'm. 
I'm concerned about Roxon, but also wondering if this is something maybe we should have expected. Obviously, the West Coast was the West Coast. We've now gone east. Track conditions are changing. Like Cooper Webb said, the most traction he's ever had on a Supercross track. So are we now running into the little issues, the little niggling issues that Roxon is going to find on a Suzuki? And when we hit Tampa, which Max just said, it looks marbly and there's a long sand rhythm, are we then going to hit, hit more set-up issues for the Suzuki? Um, I wonder... I, I think that actually would be my most interesting thing to see in Tampa, whether Roxon rebounds or whether he stays fifth, sixth, seventh. Because um, what he was doing before Houston was obviously really impressive, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I think Tampa would be telling as to whether Houston was just a blip or whether we're going to get a lot more. Yeah, and I think you mentioned earlier there's rain in the forecast for Tampa. So we could just have a mutter, which at that point, all bets are off. Yeah, to be honest, at the moment, well, originally it was meant to rain on press day, Friday, and then be fine on Saturday. Now press day looks okay, and Saturday is the rainy day. So maybe it will keep pushing later. Um, but I looked before we came on air, and at the moment, Saturday looks quite bad. Like, through the night show, there's 70% of rain. <laughs> AP might get his win. Well, to be honest with you, um, if we have a mudder, like, I don't really know who... Like, okay, so Tomac won San Diego 2019, so he's really good in the mud. I don't feel like I really know how good Sexton is in the mud. And the same goes for kind of a lot of the guys. I feel like a mudder would... Apart from Tomac being strong, which happens rain or dry, um, I think a mudder would be quite interesting to see who excels. I agree. With how good Aaron Plessinger's been riding... But he literally went after Eli for a few moments the other night. I think it was before the red flag. Like, I never really felt like he was going to pass him, but he was so, he's been so good this year, so much more aggressive. And then we know his GNCC background, he can ride in the mud. Could we get a win? Uh, could we get a win, Scotty, uh, in Tampa if it's muddy? <laughs> oh, I, I think so. AP in a mudder? Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah wouldn't I don't even think it has to be a mutter for him to get a win but Ooh, okay see now, now you now I said Justin Cooper and you said like I'm crazy and then you say AP which I feel like they're not that much different and if if there wasn't a red flag in Houston would AP have won that I don't think he so. was. He, I'm with you, Lewis. He was sizing. I think he was sizing he was up. I don't think he would have won. Up, but that was early. I don't think he would have okay, won, yeah, but it was. I do not think he would have won. Just to clarify, but do I think he would have passed Tomac and been more in the picture? Like yes. he would have been a contender for the win. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, I'll, very I'll impressed with, with AP. Very impressed. Jumping back to the 250s for a minute. Uh, Hunter winning. He, dude, he had the off track excursion on the. I guess the first full lap, which could have. Could have just ended the whole season. Like, if he had landed on tough block and... Tough that was hit, close. Dude, it was so close. Uh, but Jordan Smith also didn't finish great, but very, very fast when he wasn't crashing, which I think you called, Lewis. Most people called him crashing. No, people are angry about that. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But Jordan, Jordan's a guy I said, like, I feel like he has the ability to win if he can keep it on two wheels... Can he clean it up, Lewis, and get a win? Does I, he? Not can he, does he? Oh, yeah, he he gets a win, for sure. I think, um, and I wouldn't put the crash down at the weekend of the classic Jordan Smith crash, because it was the sad. That did bite a lot of people, and it wasn't like he did something dumb, like just randomly washed the front in a burp. Like, 
So I wouldn't put it down as that. I would definitely, I said it on the Vital MX Postway show, but I think that that was the best he's ever looked. Better than his TLD KTM days when he was a title contender. Yep. Um, definitely better than his Pro Circuit days, which were just a disaster. Um, yeah, I think he, he definitely wins. But the interesting thing is I think Hunter can win. I think Max can win. I think Jordan can win. I think Moseman can win. Moseman can win. Hayden? Uh, Hayden is definitely a conversation. Okay. Uh, I think Thrasher can win. Uh, like, there's a lot of guys. Who I, I think I'm missing someone as well because I think I had it as there were seven guys who could potentially win. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys who can win in this class. Obviously, not everyone's going to because if it, if we have seven different winners, that's pretty much a winner for each round. J Mart. Uh, J Mart. Yes, that's the guy I was winning. Yeah, J Mart can win. Um, oh, missing. Sorry. Uh, yeah, J Mart can win. So that's seven riders who could win. You can definitely have a conversation about that. Um, will they all? No. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of guys who can win, and Jordan looks. Jordan looks really, really good. Yeah, I, I will say that I'm. I'm not disappointed in J Mart's performance, but I. I it was underwhelming. I will say that I did. I, I did expect a little more. I don't. I didn't expect that top three pack to kind of leave like that. To be honest. Yeah, J Mart's kind of hit or miss with Supercross. He'll have some good ones, but yeah, he's never been the best Supercross rider. So. Underwhelming, but maybe not so surprising for me. Let's move to a couple of your your highlights there, Scotty. And the 450 LCQ. That race, look, man, the LCQs are exciting almost always. Chiz destroying Norm. It's not, not normal for Chiz, but it's, hey, it's to get in the main. Just that that was a crazy moment. Freddie probably just, I don't, I don't know what Freddie was thinking. I haven't had a chance to talk to Freddie Norn. And then A-Ray, you... It looked like live when we were watching it, like all he, all A Ray had to do was ride around, go around the bike, and get into the into the main. I didn't see it until the replay where I saw that he clipped yeah. Norn's handlebar so hard, and it, so it's it was funny at the time, but sort of understanding. But yeah, that that L four fifty LCQ was something else. Yeah, well, no, I was watching watching it on TV. They were showing the finish, yeah, so and they went away from it. So like, yeah. I was like, okay, Chiz isn't close enough. And then yeah. you hear the crowd, and you're well, like, you heard, and Daniel, yeah, Daniel got loud. He had to have turned around. Yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, it wasn't on the monitor. It, it did not show on the broadcast. You had to yeah. you had to watch from the replay. But I was just like, oh, whoa, whoa. It, it was baffling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I spent a lot of time in the TV truck this weekend for an, a feature I'm going to do on the TV production side. And that was one thing that Bondo and the other producers kept saying, hey, we, we tell our guys like Daniel and RC, like watch what's on the monitor. That's what you have to pay attention to. When the crowd got loud, Daniel, I think, said, oh, Chiz hit him or something along those lines. And it wasn't on TV. So that tells me he must have looked over his shoulder or something. Lewis, what were your thoughts? I was sitting close to you, but I, I don't remember what your thoughts were when that went down. That's just what we want, isn't it? That's all we want from LCQs. Um, we're not watching LCQs to see a clinic. We're not watching LCQs to learn how to ride Supercross. We're not watching LCQs to see raw talent on display. We are watching LCQs because for those four minutes, we are Monster Jam fans. And we just want <laughs> WWE Monster yeah. Jam. I like it. Demolition Derby. Yeah. When it comes to triple clamp, suspension, and chassis parts, there's no comparison. Luxon MX makes the best parts you can buy. Luxon's advanced engineering background and techniques allow them to develop products that are unlike the rest Lighter and stronger with optimized stiffness to enhance your riding comfort and precision. And Luxon products are designed, engineered, and made in the USA. 
Check them out online at www.luxonmx.com. All orders over orders of $100 or more ship free within the continental U.S. And you can save 10% on all their products with promo code MOTOXPOD. That's M-O-T-O-X-P-O-D, all one word. Just a couple more things I want to touch on. Saw the news today, Lewis, that Nick Romano was supposed to ride east. He missed Houston due to a shoulder separation, I believe. Uh, then, I guess apparently last week, he dabbed his leg and blew out his ACL. He is going to miss all Supercross and outdoors, are saying. What do you think this does for his future? That is my question as well. I don't think I, I don't think, like, who, okay, he's missing the whole year of Alabama. Does this affect his prospects at Star? This is, that is the question. I don't think it does because it's not like Star have an overload of talent coming through at the moment. However, Vegan is now pro. They've got Fares on the sidelines. So they definitely have guys there. They definitely have, like, they definitely have a lot of guys. Um, I would be shocked if Star don't keep him around for 2024. I would honestly, because I think he's shown enough. Um, I think he can be great. I would be shocked if Star drop him after this. But we have also seen with Star that they have a tendency to be quite brutal. So, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, a little, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous for him, and I'm sure that he is as well. I was wondering earlier, actually. I was thinking about it. I wonder if he has made the call and said, like, are we good? Like, are we going to be good? Like, Because, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I would. I'm sure it's, it's not really a great thing to do, but I would. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to would, be worried. Uh, the second I find out that I'm out for the whole of 2023, I would immediately be calling and saying, look, are we, are we going to be good? Because I, that would be the first thing my mind goes to. But, um... If I would start, I have still I would have no doubt in his ability, and yeah. But 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 but, but. he right. says he will be out for the entire twenty twenty three. He has basically the same injuries as Faulkner. I think so. Using the law of averages, Faulkner hasn't said it. Faulkner has kind of hinted that he'll be back for outdoors, but I think we also don't see Faulkner for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think either one makes it back that soon. Uh, Scotty, as Lewis kind of alluded to, well, Bobby Reagan's. Like he's not afraid to cut a guy or mm-hmm. or find somebody else if somebody else better comes along. So as a guy, Nick Romano, who hasn't really had any results to speak of, yeah, his his future's kind of it's kind of in jeopardy maybe. And yeah, it, it'd be hard maybe even for him to find a different ride if he loses that spot because of the lack of results. This was this this was his second Supercross season, correct? Or did he just do outdoors last year? Uh, I don't think he did any Supercross last year, Lewis. Did he? I didn't. No, no. So first, yeah. I I think maybe if he had 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 a, a race or two before the injury, and maybe the results like weren't quite ex- weren't what was expected, I think maybe that question would be a little more prevalent. Yeah, the fact that he hasn't even really gotten a chance. I think you got. I think you have to. I think you have to give him a chance. I think you have to. I think he's like Lewis said. He's shown that he has raw speed and talent, and he can be one of those guys. So I, I think he deserves another chance. Will he get one? That yeah, you know, obviously that's the question. Uh, one more topic I want to touch on, and then we'll do the sixty helmet uh, picks for Tampa. The but first, I do want to start another new segment if we can. I want to do the FXR. We're gonna call it like the uh, the email read email segment. So basically, I just want to get your emails. It's kind of, I, I guess I'm stealing this from some other shows, but send us some emails on things you think about the show, 
uh, whether you like me or you like Lewis or don't like oh, us or how Scotty much you or, hate me or yeah, just whatever. <laughs> like send us some emails. If we get some good content, maybe you have questions. Uh, if you, that'd be even better. If you have some questions for us to answer, we can start doing those. It'll be the FXR email segment. We'll come up with probably a better name, but uh, yeah. So moto expod show at gmail.com. Send some stuff in. We'll get you your, the listeners involved. I'd like to do that. Uh, last topic, Lewis, you were there. I told Scotty a little bit about it. Barsha wasn't super happy with me on press day. I asked. Oh, wow! You bring it in. I yeah. I asked some <laughs> questions he didn't love. I chose not to use those questions on any of the podcast stuff. But um, how you you weren't real happy with me for upsetting him? No, because I like to. Um, um, maybe this is for a staff meeting rather than a podcast. <laughs> but, um, if you're going to ask something a bit risky, you've really got to be tactful with how you say it. You've really got to cover yourself. Um, and to be fair, Jamie, my friend, I will tell you how it is because that's what true friends do. And I believe the, the main issue is you asked, you said to him that it's been a rough start to the season. Basically, that's how I word it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have been saying on my shows and things that I have been doing that it's been a great start to the season. And if it wasn't for the crash in Anaheim 1, he would have been top five there. He was on the podium in San Diego. And then, okay, Anaheim 2, he was eighth, but he had a massive crash in practice and he hurt his tailbone. So all things considered, eighth wasn't that bad. So, And I'm sure he feels similarly to that. So that's why I think maybe your question caught him off guard because he felt as though you were talking based on results and not having really observed what you're doing. That's that might be a fair point. It, I think my line of questioning Scotty was similar to when I talked to Pierce in the preseason press conference, where I just know they expect more out of themselves than an eighth yeah. or a seventh. Their abilities are good enough to be podium guys, and that's what they would want. But yeah, I guess I'm not wording my questions right. And he, I, I asked a couple other questions of Barsha, and he said, "Wow, these are really negative questions. I thought they'd be better questions." He did answer my questions, but when we were done, immediately he just turned around and walked off. He was not thrilled with me. Mm. I mean, I mean, Lewis. I mean, have you see, you've seen Dark Side's tattoos? Does he look like he carefully positions his questions? <laughs> I'm not going to talk bad about my friend Dark. Wow, <laughs> Jamie. I, but I like. Like Mr. Minagi, I do aim Miyagi? To, I don't know. I just know that that's a... The karate Mr. kid, right? Yeah. yeah, Miyagi. Okay, like Mr. Minagi, <laughs> I, um, I, I aim to take Jamie and mold him into <laughs> something respectable. You're, are you taking credit just like uh, a Steve Mathis is doing? Take- I, told you, I told you in private, Jamie, that... A Steve Mathis has only t- has taken you so far, and now it's up to me to take you again even further. Perfect. Last segment of the night, the 6D picks for Tampa. Since its inception almost 12 years ago, 6D Helmets has been dedicated to the relentless pursuit of brain protection. From the original ATR1 to its successor, the ATR2, the goal was to develop a revolutionary design concept utilizing creative, forward-thinking technology that would change the market and improve the safety capabilities of the sports helmet. The helmet is the most important piece of protective equipment you will purchase, so visit 60helmets.com or go to your local dealership and ask for 6D. Tampa picks for 450 class. Myself, I'm taking Chase Sexton, Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, in that order, Scotty, who you got? I'm going to go uh, Tomac. 
that win last. I, I know I missed the part where y'all talking about the beginning of the show because I was you, we were yeah. in pool, pure chaos mode. But yeah. I that was very impressive, I and agree. so I think that that's going to be kind of the story. And so I'm going to go, especially as a chance of rain. I'm going to go Tomac, Sexton, and then I'm going to put AP on the box. AP, I like it. I like it. That's risky, but I like it. Uh, Lewis Phillips. Uh, not to be a not to be completely boring, but I agree with you, Jamie. Uh, Sexton, Tomac, Webb. Sexton, Tomac, Webb. Okay, uh, that. Yeah, I like the, I like your picks because they're smart, like me. Lewis, <laughs> I appreciate you being on Facetime with us. I want to thank our sponsors: Racetech, Boyson, X Brand, Guts, Racing, FXR, Sixty Helmets, Luxon, Motul, WUSA. X, oh, I was reading something wrong. I was reading the wrong thing. Uh, I want to thank all those guys for sponsoring the show. I want to thank our guests, Hayden Deegan, Max Anstey, Scotty. Thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this in post, well, that's the only way you're going to be listening to it in post. We are getting some upgraded equipment. ML has already ordered a new laptop <laughs> with an Ethernet port, so we'll have hardwired internet. Hopefully, that will fix the streaming issues that we face tonight. Once again, MotoXPodShow at gmail.com if you want to get into the email stuff, uh, the segment. If you want to win some FXR stuff, send us emails. Get involved. We appreciate it. I think that's going to be it. Lewis, thanks, man. Thank you. Always a good time. All right, we're out. <laughs>